Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, that was a busy night in sports. A lot going on right there. Nuggets are down three games to one again. I know, we've all seen this movie, right? It's going to end differently this time, right? The Lakers are going to close them out. I can't believe the Nuggets are going to do it three times in a row. I can't believe they did it once. I was stunned they did it twice. It's not happening a third time. The big news, though, college football, as expected, the Pac-12 is coming back. They're going to start on Friday, November 6th. They're going to play a seven-game schedule. Looks like the Utes will get all five South Division opponents and then one crossover game. My guess is Oregon. If I were the Pac-12, I would open up with the cross-division games. You'd have USC Stanford, UCLA Cal's a natural, uh, Utah and Oregon, probably Arizona State, Washington, and then let the Pac-12 network have some combination of Arizona, Colorado, Oregon, and Washington State. And then jump into a conference uh, five-division schedule game. I, I think that's the way to do it. And after six weeks, they'll have a Pac-12 title game. And then they're going to do what the, the Big Ten is doing, where have everybody else play, and you create more content for the networks. You recoup a little bit of money, and you get the, uh, you get the players a seventh game. They're all going to want to play games, and it's going to be weird to feel a season ending after six games. Everyone's bowl eligible, so you don't have to worry about that. So then you just try to get as many teams into bowl games as possible. And uh, so a lot of people get to end up playing eight games if we don't have games postponed, delayed, all that kind of stuff. I, I got to admit, the one thing I'm still stunned with college football is that they're sticking to the playoff when they're sticking with it. And they're not moving that thing back two, three, four weeks. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. It, it doesn't, you know, it, you get more games in. Nobody's playing the full complement of 12 games. Everybody's down games. Everybody is either limited fans or no fans. Everybody's losing money. So play more games. You know the players want to play more games. You can create a couple of weeks in the calendar. It's a one-off. It's not that big a deal. But, uh, you know, that's just me saying it, right? Apparently it is a big deal to them because they ought to be able to figure this out and they just don't want to do it. But it seems logical to me. It just seems like it ought to happen. You know, the Big Ten could get in a ninth or tenth game. The Pac-12 Pac, uh, could get, uh, I don't think they can get to ten games, but you know, they can add in a couple more. And we still don't know how many games are going to be postponed and be rescheduled, right? I mean, we're sitting here saying the Pac-12 is going to play seven games and that the, uh, the SEC is going to play ten and the ACC is going to play eleven, but we don't really know that. Ask the Houston Cougars. They seem to get a game postponed every week except for the one week when they got two postponed. So we don't really know how this is going to shake out. Let's not pretend like we know what's going to happen six weeks down the line. Pretty sure we don't. Uh, the Mountain West is also coming back. They decided that last night. We didn't get a lot of info on that. It's going to be an eight-game schedule. It's going to kick off October 24th. We know that. So they, they're not looking for the six weeks of ramp-up time. The Pac-12 had a Zoom conference last night, and they said they really want to avoid the injuries we saw in the NFL, and they want teams to have a chance to train. And some teams are probably going to be somewhat limited. We just heard there could be some regulations in Boulder that are limiting Colorado. So, so they're going to do six weeks, and the Mountain West apparently doesn't, doesn't want all those six weeks. They're going to get after it on October 24th and play an eight-game schedule. I assume they'll just stick with their normal conference rotation, but they haven't announced that yet. But that would make sense to me that the Aggies would play the five games inside their division that they always play and then uh, you know, play three crossover games. They've already got that rotation going. So we'll find out more about that later today. All right, DJ and PK, more football to come. Stay with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to get you ready for BYU and Troy. It's a football Friday. The Cougars playing Saturday night against Troy, 8.15 on ESPN. Will they be able to run the ball the way they did against Navy? Here's BYU running back Lopini Katoa with the media. Pini, as you guys get ready for this game on Saturday, what is the mindset of you guys as running backs and I guess by extension the offense as you get ready for this game? Uh, just pick up where we left off a few weeks back. Uh, we did really well and built a lot of momentum against Navy. And and so really just um, look like a better version of what we saw against Navy. What is the key to keeping that momentum going? Uh, just, uh, you know, not being able to play in games um, consistently can be tough with the uh, Army being pushed back. Um, but we've just been able to keep up the, the high competition level at practice to make it feel really game-like, um, just competing against our, our teammates, our, our one defense, um, just allowing us to, to keep a game-like competition on the field, and we've been doing that a lot. Hey, Jared. Can you, because of the success that the running game had against Navy, do you expect Troy to do more to try and slow you guys down, maybe open up other things because you guys were so good uh, against them you know, in that first game? Yeah, I mean, for sure, that's I, I would say that's a possibility. And it's like you said, um, all, all I would do will, will open up uh, things for the receivers, open up shots down the field if they try to stop our run. Um, so that's why, you know, we're super confident as an offense just because we can do both really well. Hey, Jay, Jay Drew. Hey, Lapini, obviously running back position at BYU has experienced a lot of injuries the past couple of years. Is that just the nature of the position? Or what do you maybe attribute that to and, you know, knock on wood that it doesn't doesn't happen to you, I guess? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's the nature of, of the position for sure. That's a big part of it. Um, you look at the average shelf life of a running back in the NFL and it's it's short, really short, like two years, I think, um, at the max. So it's it's a it's a brutal position. Um, I feel like we just have had bad luck, especially in that position in our position room um, more so than other schools have had at running back so um, they're doing really well at taking care of our bodies um, knowing that you know at, at one moment we can have two three running backs only in the room and they're and we're expected to carry the load so um, yeah just um, bad luck and just um, yeah it's just a brutal position as well how does that affect practice at all the kind of the not as many bodies I guess or does it affect practice yeah, I mean, we have to have guys, you know, doing multiple things, maybe guys doing things they usually don't do. Um, you know, maybe a backup has to run scout team when they usually don't. Um, but we just we roll with the punches and, and really we haven't missed a beat. Guys have been willing to step up and um, into positions where they usually don't do things. And um, I feel like we haven't haven't missed a beat at practice this whole week. Any question from Jared and then Mitch. I know you guys have expressed a lot of gratitude to being able to play football and in, in, in this this time, but 
having gone to the cohort and, you know, the limited practice last week and the positive tests and, you know, now having, you know, expecting fans and then no fans, how big of a distraction is that as far as trying to focus and, and just be focused on football when you've got all of these other outside things, you knew it was going to be this way, but, but what has that, that part of it been like as you're actually dealing with it? Right. It's, it's a lot and it's, you know, it's a day-to-day thing. And so really, I just, it's been forcing me just to take it one day at a time, one practice at a time, um, which is the mindset that we should have anyway. So it's really forcing us to do that. Um, if we're looking too far ahead, you know, it's all, it's, it's unsure really is the truth at this time. It's unsure what's going to happen. So we just got to take it as, you know, we're thankful that we even got to practice today. Um, and right now, as we know it, we can practice tomorrow. So we just got to look that far ahead and, and make the most of it. Hey, Mitch. In this, uh, Lopini, in this day-to-day climate that we're kind of in, as you mentioned, uh, you know, from Navy to today, tonight, where do you feel like the offense has improved amidst all this craziness because of, you know, the limited practice last week and so far this week? Where, where, where do you feel the offense is continuing to improve since that performance against Navy? Uh, I feel like we've just been able to sharpen um, the things we did well. Like we saw, uh, like, against Navy, it, it was hard to um, – you know, sift through everything, like where is our biggest weak spot because we were able to do so many things so well. Um, but I feel like we're able to throw the ball downfield still well and uh, we're able to do more things to, to make us harder to stop as an offense, you know, more misdirection, more things to make the defense think. And so I just feel like we're able to build off of what we did by adding, you know, a few other things to, to keep the defense guessing. How excited are you to have a, another opportunity this Saturday to run behind that that offensive line that just was was completely dominated a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I'm pumped, and it, it's even better that we get to do it in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I, I feel like uh, it, it's tough that we can that you know there's not going to be fans there, but you know just being able to play at home, um, regardless of the fans or not, it's it's exciting, and I can't wait till till Saturday for sure. There's BYU running back Lapini Katoa. I'm thinking if I'm Troy, I'm going to have to commit an extra guy to the box to stop the run game. And you know what that means? one-on-one coverage for receivers, a chance to make big plays. We're looking at you, Gunnar Romney. Here's Gunnar Romney with the media. Jeff just talked about uh, maybe the offense slipping a little bit in terms of timing and rhythm during this long, you know, kind of layoff between games. It felt like things were back a little bit better today. What do you see as far as that timing and rhythm for the offense and and, uh, making sure it's in place in time for the game? Yeah, you know, this is this has been a really weird situation that I've never experienced, you know, going three weeks between games in the middle of a season. So and obviously we weren't we weren't able to practice as a full team last week just because of uh, some some uh, restrictions that we had. So it, it was a weird time where we didn't get to go together as a full offense. And so it's, you know, it's hard to keep that midseason form when when that timing is perfect, because that's that's crucial to an offense and you have to have that through repetition but I think this week you know we've uh, we started off a little bit slow this week but I think throughout the week it's gotten better and better and I think we're looking the way we did before this this long layoff so I think we'll be ready to go in the game and it's it's looking good how much of a benefit is the experience in that to be able to maybe turn it back on after it, it kind of fell apart fell off a little bit yeah, I think it's huge just because, you you know, you have that history with the quarterback and the other receivers um, to, to know like what you what you what you need to be in to, to succeed. And so I think it's huge, uh, you know, us uh, rallying all together and getting the younger guys on board with with them knowing what the standard is. And, and I think it's that experience has really helped us, you know, uh, not take too long to get back into that shape.
Okay, thank you. We'll take questions from Jay, Mitch, and Jake. Hey, Gunnar, I just noticed you lead the NCAA in uh, yards per catch, something like 34 yards per catch. Do you think you can keep that up the rest of the season? Hopefully. I mean, that'd be, that'd be some some unreal number to have 34 yards per catch but uh, i mean that'd be awesome if i could keep it up but you know i'm not really too focused on stats just focused on winning the games is that part of your game though that big play capability do you think and is that something you worked hard on this off season to develop yeah for sure i think that's that's one thing that uh we need a guy to really step up and we needed that guy um, this offseason to, to really step up for this year. And so that's something that I've been preparing myself for that, that role is something I've been practicing a lot. So uh, that's that's uh, that's what I want to do. I want to be the big play guy. But at the same time, I want to be well-rounded with uh, with everything. I want to be that, that you know, short guy, that, that long guy. I want to be everything. Gunner, with this new orange phase or going back to the orange phase in Utah County, has anything changed for you, the, the players on the team, as far as – testing goes and, and getting ready for Saturday's game has anything changed compared to what you experienced leading up to Navy? No. So we've been, we've been doing a great job of, you know, being safe all throughout fall camp and all throughout the beginning of the season. So nothing's really changed for us because we, you know, we're prepared for this, but you know, it's, it's hard, you know, with the fans and stuff, we, we were expecting that, but you just got to bounce back. We played Navy with no fans. And so we can play here with no fans too. So I, I think uh, it hasn't really been a huge uh, difference in, in what we see, but hopefully it won't affect us at all. Come you've, seen, game time. you've seen every step of the way uh, in the, the Jeff Grimes offense since 2018, been part of the program uh, this year, third year. Where, where do you kind of put the, the confidence level of the offense right now compared to where it's been in, in previous years and in, in your in previous experiences here in the program? I think confidence is at an all-time high right now. Everybody is is bought in. We have a lot of experience. We have a lot of guys that have been in his offense for three years now. And so everybody knows the expectations. Everybody knows what needs to be done. And it's it's all clicking right now. It feels like it's all coming together and people are bought in. And so it's really cool. I'm really excited to see uh, what it holds in store for the rest of the season. Gunner, Troy in their game last Saturday had a number of interceptions. Obviously, that goes into where the passes go, et cetera. But what have you seen from this secondary as you get ready for this game on Saturday? Yeah, you know, the, the secondary, they're really active. They're really aggressive. They got some great athletes. So we need to be prepared for that. We need to we need to obviously be on our A game and we need to step it up and uh, be ready to match the intensity that they're going to bring because we know they are. And so we really just got to focus on ourselves, though, and as an offense uh, the defense is going to throw whatever they can at you, but as long as you stick to what you know and uh, you execute better than them, that's all that really matters. What is the excitement level just in terms of you guys being able to play at Lavelle Edwards Stadium even without the fans? It's fun. Home games are so fun. And, you know, Lavelle is that that stadium is one of the coolest stadiums in all of college football with the backdrop and and everything. So I think everybody is really excited to to have the opportunity to play football because. Uh, last week, we didn't even know if we were going to get the opportunity to, to keep going. And so now that, that we know that we have a game and we know that it's going to be here, I think everybody is really excited to play. And, and we're, we're all really looking forward to Saturday. Okay, we'll take the question from Jared. And then, Sean, you'll be the last one. 
Gunner, we, we also asked Jeff about, um, you know, kind of uh, the, the way the tight ends have had to step up to fill the void left by Matt Bushman and the injury there. And he said the wide receivers have to do some of that. Running backs, everybody kind of has to do that. What do you see as you guys are trying to trying to approach that and make sure the, the things Matt could do are being done no matter who are, are, are the ones doing them? Yeah, you know, Matt, Matt's an unreal playmaker and he's an unreal football player. So it's kind of hard to to match what he does, but we're doing it in different ways. Like we're doing a lot more, you know, receivers are, are stepping in and, and running a lot more of, of the routes that he was running and kind of uh, kind of trying to take that role upon us. Well, when the tight ends are doing a great job of, of you know, filling in where he was where, where he was in the blocking game. And so it's been cool. Just everybody is, is sort of taking on the responsibility on their on themselves. And so it's not just, you know, the tight end group. It's it's everybody that's that's taking that on. And everybody has sort of stepped up their game a little bit to know that we have to because we know that we have to fill that void. Sean. Gunner, I, I know this Troy team is one that the last couple of years has kind of had a, a penchant for upsets, uh, for lack of a better term. They've gone on the road, being ranked teams. I'm sure Coach Grimes has told you about when they came into LSU a couple of years ago and beat them. Is that something on your guys' mind at all or that you're kind of reminded of? Or is it even something that you need to talk about just in terms of taking them seriously and, and kind of knowing what their track, his, track record is in their regard? Yeah, and we've obviously we've talked about how how they they show up in big time games, and but I think the preparation for every single game for us is the same, and so we go in, you know, and it doesn't really matter what opponent it is, we we're supposed to have the same mindset, and so it's not it's not a huge focus on oh you know they're going to come in and upset us. It's it's just you know they're another opponent, and we have to prepare the same way that we do for every opponent, no matter how big the game is, and we just have to to match or bring more energy that they bring. There's Gunnar Romney with the media now. Here's the offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes. I thought we had a good, a good hard practice. Um, spirited, good competition between the offense and the defense. Um, I felt like we've been a little bit a little bit rusty the first part of this week uh, trying to get get back into the groove of, of playing hard and playing fast and getting our rhythm back as an offense and uh, you know last week we weren't able to operate in a normal practice routine working more in small groups and that that had a little bit more of an impact on on our timing than I thought it would but I felt like today uh, we really took a, a good step forward in the right direction and and uh, looking forward to, to tomorrow having another good good practice this and then we'll be close to game time. Thank you. I uh, will take a question from Jared Lloyd. Hey Jeff, just uh, along the same lines, timing is, is so big as part of uh, a college football offense. And are you, are you seeing it come back? How hard is that to get? And can you really gauge until you get to game time, just as, as far as getting the timing as you need it to be? Yeah, I think I think you can. I think you can. Uh, t- well, to answer your first question, timing is is essential. I think probably more so on offense than on defense, um, just because so many things have to be in sync when we're when we're throwing the football. The receivers got to be breaking at just the right depth, and the quarterback's got to be in rhythm throwing throwing the ball, anticipating that break, and the receivers got to come open just as the ball's getting there. Um, in the run game, the the running backs got to be on the right track and in the right place when he's supposed to be in relationship to the offensive linemen and those guys have to be in sync and um, you know the timing is is a, a huge part of offensive football and rhythm and and um, I think you can gauge that and I felt like we lost a little bit uh, last week I did I, I, w- I was not um, 
extremely happy with with that and really with our with our tempo the the first couple of days but like i said we challenged them we challenged them hard today and i felt like they responded and so i think we're moving in the right direction and with another with another good practice tomorrow i think we'll be ready to to uh, get close to game time okay thank you we'll take a question from norma and then jay drew hey coach sorry i don't have my face up today i had a rough long day and you guys do not need to see me right now but um talking you agree. <laughs> thanks that photo is just you know from five six years ago um you were talking about how you kind of lost tempo and have kind of lost the timing of the offense a little bit because of the weird circumstances that you guys have had but can people sort of expect the same type of attack that the offense showed against navy that's a great question you know one thing I've said since I since I came here two years ago is that I felt like balance was important on offense. And with the exception of just a few outliers, if you look at most offenses across the country, they're balanced between run and pass. And I think even more importantly than number of times you run the ball or throw the football – if you present to a defense the ability to run the football or throw the football in all situations, in all field zones, then I think you you make yourself much harder to defend. And there will be some games where the run game will come easy and we'll feature the run game a little bit more. And then there will be other games where they're working harder to take away the run game and they'll give us the one-on-one matchups that we're looking for on the outside and the pass game will come easier. And so um, whether we'll see the same the same type of attack or not really has a lot to do with how Troy decides to defend us and and really what's rolling in the game. But we'll go into the game with the intent to to run the ball and throw the ball um, both effectively. Hey Jeff, first uh, a policy question. I know the coaching staff doesn't has a policy of not discussing injuries. Um, do COVID cases fall under that same, um, I don't know what the question would, uh, are you guys discussing those or not? <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> that's, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> yeah. You could have, you could ask the head coach on that one. Okay. So you guys aren't going to say how many guys will be out or anything like that because of that's COVID. correct. Okay. Uh, the other question I have is just. We know the three main receivers, they played well against Navy. How are the other kind of the other guys coming along? Uh, Cody Epps, Chris Jackson, um, Braden Cosper. I'm trying to think of any others on the depth chart. Um, Keanu Hill would be another. Um, but I'll, I think all those guys are coming along in the right direction. Um, you know, Braden is a guy that's really impressed me this camp. Um, maybe the most improved guy on our offense, you know, and he's been hurt for so long, but um, he's, he's really, really worked hard to get himself in good shape. He's leaner. He's faster. He's playing with an edge right now. He's probably our best blocker at receiver, but also um, doing a great job running his routes and, and catching balls. And so he's become a really dependable guy for us and really impressed with him. Um, Cody's been in and out with, with injuries. And, and so I think he's just kind of getting back to honestly where he was early in camp because he's been out and he, come back for a couple of days and he'd be out again and you know nothing serious but enough for a young guy for it to keep him from progressing um 
Uh, Chris is, is coming along real nicely. Keanu Hill is a guy who I think has really taken a step forward this week. You know, he banged up his knee. I don't know, maybe three or four weeks ago and hasn't been quite at full speed. And to this week, he's starting to look like he looked uh, last year before he before he got injured. So um, I think all those guys are, are progressing and will will play some role in the game. And we'll take a question from Jake Hatch and then Jared Lloyd. Jeff, I know you've got familiarity with Ryan Pugh, I think, as well as Chip Lindsey. I know that they're offensive guys, but can your familiarity with them help you develop a game plan as you go against this Troy defense? No, not really. I mean, my familiarity with them um, only extends to to how they're going to play offense, and I, I know they're they're going to put together a great offense and come in here and expect to score points. And I've got a lot of respect for Chip and and obviously for Ryan. There, there's no one that I'm closer to in football or really outside my family than than Ryan, and uh, he he's like a like a son to me. And and um, so I got a lot of respect for those guys, and I got a lot of respect for. This program. I was I was at LSU when they came to Baton Rouge and beat us there, and you know they beat Nebraska not too long ago, and a few years ago played Clemson really close when Clemson was ranked high. So they're a program that's got a lot of pride, and and I have the um, understanding from having played against them and watched them play for years what they're capable of, and. And um, and hopefully our players do, too. I've tried to impart that on them. And so I got a lot of respect for the program, a lot of respect for those coaches on offense. And um, and I know they'll come in here and do everything they can um, expecting to win the game. Sir? Jeff, what are the strengths of this Troy defense that you're going up against? What have you seen as, as you've prepared for this game? Um. Uh, a very active defense. It plays hard. Um, I think there's there have been some subtle changes to their scheme from what I saw from them last year and what I've seen from them in the past when I've when I've watched them. Um, and I think those those changes have produced a defense that looks to me to be just a little bit better. A little bit. They get a lot of guys coming back that have played a lot of football, and I think their experience, not only their experience having played, but also now this is their second year under the same system, under the same coordinator. And, you know, I think about the jump that we made here from my first year to my second year, the, the just the players understanding of the system and for us as a coach, understanding our players and playing to their strengths a little bit better. And so I anticipate um, a defense that's improved off of what they did last year, but an active defense that that presents a lot of challenges to you. Um, uh, multiple coverage defense, multiple front coverage, uh, multiple front defense as well. And um, a lot of exotic types of pressures when they get you into, into third and long and two minute situations. Okay, Mitch, we'll take your last question then. Yeah, Jeff, uh, uh, you know, with last season, you know, it was, it was well-documented get up for big games and sometimes had a little bit of uh, maybe some letdowns against some other games that maybe didn't conjure up as much excitement from the outside looking in. Do you feel like from what you've seen from practice this week, the team is maybe better prepared to maintain that same level of excitement and intensity for each and every game? Um, great question. I hope so. Um, I think 
like I said, this week's been so different just based on the fact that we didn't really have normal routine last week, um, kind of bouncing back emotionally from not having the opportunity to play against Army and then ha not having the chance to really have normal practices and interaction with our players. And so it's been uh, it's been a challenge with with guys in and out and um, and us being um, in in a in a different situation a week ago and then coming back to practice. And so what I, what I hope is the case, and I think will be the case is that we'll be excited to play football, that we'll have um, a gratefulness in our hearts for the chance to play when a lot of people aren't playing or maybe are hoping to play. And when we were in position a week ago where we were thinking we were going to play and then didn't get to play a game, I, I hope, I know I feel very excited just to play a game and can't wait to get to Saturday. And so um, if, if I know this team the way I think that I do, they'll show up on Saturday and they'll be ready to play their best. One more question for, from me. Uh, the, you've been about three weeks removed since Matt's injury. How do you feel the tight end room has progressed with – with Isaac and Lane Lunt and, and Carter Wheat and, and all those guys, maybe just give an assessment from uh, post Matt Bushman in that room right now. I, I think that um, all of those guys are improving and my hope is that the collective group will, will take up, take up that void. And it's not, it's not just the tight end rooms. In some cases, the receivers have to take on an extra bit of workload Um but I do think um, that's a young, young room. And because of that, all those guys are growing and progressing. And I think they're getting better every day and, and certainly aren't where we would like for them to be. But I think they're heading in the right direction and, and have been pleased with, with what I've seen from them in terms of growth this week. There's BYU offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. When we return, PK and I are talking BYU football with Brian Keel, the former Cougar. Next on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in Brian Keel, former BYU linebacker. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Brian, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Good. So is the glass half empty or the glass half full? The good news is there's a BYU game. It's a home game. The Cougars are favored by a couple touchdowns. Maybe a little more than that, depending on where you are. And then you got the bad news, which is you're not going to have the pageantry. You're not going to have the roar of the crowd. So where are you? How good are you feeling about this game? Uh, I'm. You know, I... I like to see things for what they are, and I definitely am more of an optimist than a pessimist. And um, so that, that glass, is, glass is half full, in my opinion. And to me, you know, I, this season was in serious jeopardy. There's a lot of, lot of kids not playing right now, a lot of schools not playing. I, I'm always the type to be grateful for what you have. And so, you know, as a BYU fan, I'm grateful that we have games, um, that we have – 
a season. If, if I was a player on the team, I'd be grateful that I have an opportunity to go play the game that I love. And hopefully the kids have that mentality. And to me, I, you know, in my opinion, I thought that this was always going to be a possibility that you have games with no fans. Um, versus you not having a season at all. So, you know, I just be grateful, go out there and do what you can, take care of business and win football games. Yeah, I would think that under the circumstances, because this season was in jeopardy and you've already had one game postponed, the fact that you have no fans is freaky, but because of the situation, it'll actually work to your advantage in terms of just being all sorts of fired up because you literally don't know. It's a cliche. This could be your last game. Well, we literally don't know if they'll play again. This could be their last game. Who knows? So in terms of no fans, I don't really see it as being an issue because I think if I'm a football player, the fact that I'm playing a game, I'm just going to be totally jacked up that I have a game to play. Exactly. Absolutely. And I mean, these guys, they're, they're extremely competitive. And so the fact that there's not fans there, it, it, it does make a difference. And I think it makes more of a difference in football than in basketball or, or baseball, because especially you know, every third down, I mean, for the, for the home team, that, that's a big advantage and the crowd gets wild and it's a big aspect of the game. So I think football, a fanless football game is definitely more different than any other sport. That being said, I mean, you put these guys, I mean, you could put them in a gym with a ping pong table and, you know, they're going to get bloodied. They're, I mean, they're just competitive. They're going to they're gonna play hard. They're, they want to win. That's just the way they're wired. And, I, you know, I, when, it, when the whistle blows to, uh, on the opening kickoff, a lot of that stuff disappears and it's time to play ball. Brian Keel joining us, former BYU linebacker, so it's time to play ball. Here comes Troy. Does Troy have any chance to slow down the BYU running game, or is the offensive line going to get it done? So this will be a great opportunity for us to um, to see. Oh, so, you know, you look at in years past, um, we've, had, we've had great signature wins. Great, just look at last year, you know, signature wins. And then you, we followed that up later in the season with just ugly losses versus teams that we really have no business losing to. And so if you look at our schedule this year, our, our remade schedule, it's mostly teams that we have no business losing to. And that's no offense to them. Their, their program's just different than ours. And um, it is what it is. That doesn't mean we can't lose to these teams. It doesn't mean we can't lose to Troy or some of the other teams on our schedule this year. Um, we absolutely have to come out and show up and, and take care of business. But what I would like to see for this coaching staff and for this program is to take a step forward and to, to right the wrongs of the last, not just last year, but several years where we have lost stupid games. And I just would like to see us come and impose our will and, and this whole season against, against lesser opponents and it, it should just be domination every week. And that's what I expect to see. From the offensive line, I, I expect them to do exactly what they did against Navy, which was dominate. They absolutely dominated, and I, I expect that. I don't, I don't hope for it. I, I expect it. I do have a little concern in terms of you speak of these programs. I can't argue with you. They are lower-profile pro- programs, lower on the pecking order. But my concern would be, 
that I and I would tell my guys this and see what you agree, disagree. Hey, Troy's coming in here. Troy doesn't normally get a lot of run. They're going to be on national television on a Saturday night, and they're going to be playing in a place that you know that BYU has a reputation. It's a national program in that respect. People know of BYU football. Uh, even if it's not as what it once was, we still know BYU football. You're going to be in a part of the country that you never have been in, most likely, for a lot of these kids down there in Alabama. So the point being that that ought to provide them with all sorts of motivation to just lay it all out there. And I think BYU needs to be aware of that. Absolutely, 100%. And, and, and if you look at some of the games that we've lost over the last couple of years that we quote-unquote shouldn't have lost, I think it, that's a big factor. Um, and, and that's what makes sport so exciting is the, the upset, is the, the Cinderella, it is the underdog and the opportunity to, 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 you know, the ball can bounce any which way and any, anything can happen on any given Saturday. And that's why it makes it so exciting. And so you know, when I say what I say, that, that, it, that there's no disrespect in those words. Um, I don't, you know, back when, when I was there, Bronco, on one of the walls somewhere, there was these words, it was, if I remember right, it was fear no one and respect everyone. And so that applies, like, if, if, you're, if you've got Clemson on the schedule, that applies to, to Clemson. Like, if, if I was, you know, I, and I never got to play someone like that. I would have loved to have played a perennial powerhouse. You know, they played USC when I was on my mission. I missed those games. I would have loved to have been with those games. But my mindset, if I'm playing a USC back in their heyday or right now a Clemson or an Alabama – I respect, obviously, the crap out of them, but I don't fear them. I, I, I wouldn't have an ounce of fear in my body with that game against them. And, and it, so that goes for when you're the, the extreme underdog, and it also goes when you're the favorite. So if you're playing Troy or, or some of these other uh, programs that are on our schedule this year, you, you respect them. You respect everyone, and that's part of that, that phrase, because anybody can, can, can beat you. And so – just because you expect to win, that doesn't mean you don't respect them. You absolutely have to show up and take care of business because they're going to be hyped and they would love to knock you off. Brian Keel joining us, former BYU linebacker. So the question is, yes, they would love to knock you off. How might they do it? I think the one thing we see with Group of Five and also with the championship subdivision, the old 1AA, you know, some players are easy to identify, especially in the line. You know, you just got the size or you don't. But at the skill positions, there are diamonds in the rough, and there are late bloomers, and there are people who get overlooked, right? Aaron Rodgers didn't have an offensive line, so the guy's got to play J.C. football because he never shined as a high school quarterback. And we know that Marshall Falk played at a group of five school and ended up being an NFL MVP. And Walter Payton and Jerry Rice played in the uh, um the championship subdivision. They got so we know these guys are out there, right? These guys' are complete, careers are complete. We know this. Do you fear that a little bit with Troy that, or any of these other games, you know, down the line with UTSA or whatever? That somewhere out there, there's some wide receiver, yeah, you, you haven't heard of, who's going to end up being in the NFL and is going to is going to have a game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, every team in the NFL I played on, um, there was uh, not just one or two, but a handful of players that came from, you know, basically no-name programs and absolute just monsters, studs. And you always want, how did that guy, you know, go to that program? Um, and it just happens. Recruiting is what it is. There's late bloomers. People get missed. Um, things happen. And so every program has got guys, and Troy has guys, and 
um, they, they're going to have, you know, they have a handful of guys, athletes, and, and they can absolutely, they can bite you in the butt. And if you look over the last couple of years, you know, that's one of the things, you know, I love our coaching staff, and I think they've done a great job. Um, and I give credit where credit's due, and I give criticism where criticism's due. And, and one of the criticisms is they haven't taken care of business in all of their games against the quote-unquote lesser opponents. And so that's what, you know, I'd like to see them do. And, um, you know, these, these guys could absolutely get us. If you look at the Navy game, um, it, it wasn't by any means a perfect game. It was pretty dang close. Um, on on defense, you know, we gave up a couple big runs, and that was, you know, really the only flaws on defense. On offense, really the only mistake that we made was that interception. And, um, and honestly, I don't think that interception – um, was really, I think it was a combination of the receiver and the quarterback. I think they were both at fault. Um, definitely wasn't all on Wilson. But I've you know been on this program for a couple of years now, seeing Wilson's phrase. I think he absolutely is a, a, a superstar talent and has a very, very high ceiling. Um, I think he's a next-level talent. He has that ability. Um, he, he has to develop it. He's, he's got a long ways to go to get there, but I think he has, he has that potential and he has – he has that arm strength and that arm talent. One of his weaknesses has been turning the ball over. That's been one of his weaknesses his whole career. Um, that happened in game one. You asked how can Troy beat us um, if, if we don't take care of the football. That's the, the biggest key to winning any football game is ball security. So, you know, if we, if we don't take care of the football, that's one of the ways that they can beat us. So you've mentioned multiple times here just in these last few minutes the games they should have won last year, and I can't disagree with you. You know, they, they should have been a 9-10 win team last year, and that's a huge difference between 7-6, and six, obviously, to go 10-3 uh, and three or whatever it might be. Uh, I'm wondering, and since you've noticed it and you've made mention of it, how much do you think that plays into recruiting? Oh, it's huge. I think it's absolutely huge, especially for us um, being independent right now and for the last decade. Um, I think so. If you look at recruiting, there's so many factors that play that play into why a kid chooses to come to a school. The coach is a factor. The, the college town is a factor. Like you know, USC. That's it, you, of course, kids want to come there. Or Stanford, the beautiful campus, or or Miami, or Florida State. You know, you have those beautiful campuses, and you know the atmosphere, the environment. You know that plays into it. The, the success of the program. Et cetera, et cetera. The conference, you know, SEC. I want to play in SEC football. And when Utah joined the Pac-12, their recruiting instantly went up because of the conference. There's so many factors that play into it, and one of the factors is winning. Just winning. If you go, if you go out there and you win ten games every year, your recruiting is going to grow up and increase every year. It's just going to happen. When you win seven games, you don't get that bump, and we really really missed an opportunity last year with with those early big wins that set us up for a 10-win season and that it, it, it's just such a shame that we dropped those very winnable games late and kept us from that and it does absolutely hurt our recruiting year over year and and for us you know obviously we'd like to get into a power five conference um right now that's not what's happening and, and until that happens one of the only ways that we can increase our recruiting is by just dominating and winning games and, and getting into a New Year's Six Bowl game and winning that game and finishing ranked. And so we dropped the ball, and it definitely hurt our recruiting. So 
It looks like BYU ought to win. The Vegas odds makers think BYU ought to win. How much do you think, not knowing who these programs are, not having seen them on TV, not having followed the leagues they played in, in some cases, it would be interesting right now, don't you think, if the whole BYU team took a test and tried to name the nickname of all their opponents. How do you think they would <laughs> score on a test like that? I don't think they'd score very well. Um, you know, some of, some of these programs um, – you know, shoot, I haven't even heard of them before. Um, you know, and, and that's no knock on them. They're in different parts of the country. And, you know, they some of them, their fans might not have heard of BYU before. I wouldn't doubt it at all. So it goes both ways. Um, but, yeah, familiarity plays a huge role. Um, I mean, you, you look – like, you look in the NFL and you, you'll, you'll see um, – there's, there'll be some divisions with really good football teams, and because they play each other so much, there's other like just for instance, you know, I played in the NFC West, the Cardinals, the Rams, the Niners, and the Seahawks, and you know the the, the Seahawks and the Niners have been really good for the last decade, and if you look at their interdivisional games, the Cardinals and the Rams always play them really tough. Even like even when the Seahawks were dominant a couple years ago when they had that you know historic defense. The Rams beat them several times, and the, the Cardinals beat them several times, even though they weren't very good. And the point is, when you're familiar, familiar with someone, it really helps you. And so to answer your question, yeah, you know, it, it, it's different playing these teams that you know nothing about. You have no background on them. You have no experience. Um, it does it, – it is kind of open things up, and it's going to be a wild card. So in, in college, you know, you got those rivalries and you got the so-called bigger games. In the NFL – uh, were, did you have any so-called bigger games? Did you get up more for some of the games as opposed to others? Yeah, absolutely. So the the, the, the divisional games um, were, were always were always big, and and not every division has those rivalries. But um, you know, I started off in the NFC East, which is like you know maybe one of the oldest divisions with, in terms of rivalries with with the Eagles, the Cowboys, and and the Giants. And the Redskins, and they're just all these different dynamics, and um, you know those fans hate each other. And I mean, just the Eagles alone, I mean, their fans are the worst. And and so it it, it is, it's a different game um, than you know, say if you were playing for the Giants and then you played the Jaguars. Like that's not a natural rivalry, and it's just it's, it's a different game. And and so um, you know, in, in college and in the NFL. I think there's rivalries that in, that bump up the the level of the game, and then also just playing good teams. When you play a good team, then you know it, it, it makes it exciting. And so, you know, for for Troy to play us, um, I, I think they're absolutely going to be up for it. Like I look at myself, and if I was on their program, um, you know, when you when you're on a, a program from a lesser conference or a lesser division, and you play someone from a bit, you have a chip on your shoulder. And, and 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 we'll see that we'll see that in the game, and they're going to come out feisty, and you know I fully expect that. So as long as you bring up the NFC East, two and six, and one of the wins was an interdivision game. What is wrong with those four teams? They're the worst division in football right now. Even though they've got all this brand appeal and history that's fabulous, right now, what is wrong? It's just so that that's why NFL is so awesome is because it can change so much from year to year. I mean, the NFC East was the premier, and they still, I think they still have the most Super Bowls within their division. They have the most Super Bowls. They're the most historic division. And, you know, the year before I got there, the Giants won the Super Bowl, and the NFC East put three teams in the playoffs. 
They were really good. Now they suck. Um, my first year in the NFC West, my first year for the Rams, our division was terrible. We put a, a losing, my first year with the Rams, we put a losing team, a 7-9 and nine Seahawks team, with a losing record in the playoffs. And they obviously, they won a, a really upset against the Saints playoff team. But anyway, now you look at the NFC East, and they're probably the best division in football. Um, and it's just, it's just, things change so fast in the NFL. The NFC East is embarrassing right now and I feel I, I love the Giants organization I really appreciated the, the ownership there and the front office great people and so to see them be so bad right now it does it kind of hurts my heart and I, I, I think they're one of the flagship franchises in the in the NFL and so I think the NFL is better off when they're good and so I would like to see them get back to that but it's it's not looking good right now well Brian we appreciate a few minutes thanks for coming on and uh, we'll see how the game goes Saturday night Happy Saturday. There's Brian Keel, the former Cougar. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, NBA playoffs, Western Conference games, finals game four. That's coming up next. Stay with us.